0: you can join me in the Old Testament book of Exodus here this evening. Old Testament book of Exodus. And uh, we'll go to Exodus chapter 35. Thank you, those that are able to be here. You're well in your body. You can be in the house of the Lord. Thank you. Amen for being in God's house. Amen this evening. And uh, we pray for all of you others that uh, may be at home and with an eye half-cocked, maybe even watching this tonight, feeling maybe somewhat eh. And uh, we're grateful for you and uh, hope that you get well soon so you can be joining us again. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Amen. Because we like to come together. Amen. Rub shoulders with one another. Be able to comfort one another. Amen. So on and so forth. Exodus chapter 35. I'm going to begin reading with uh, verse number 11. And so we are excited this week about uh, those of the young people that can go to NYC and Be encouraged, refreshed, empowered, and so on and so forth, and uh, to be able to take a small part, amen, it at all. Verse number 11, this is kind of explaining where we are here. Uh, The Lord has asked for the children of Israel to dedicate materials for the building of the temple. And uh, that they would willingly offer various things that was required for the building of the temple, of uh, the tabernacle, that is. And so with verse number 11, it begins to speak what those materials would go toward. And so it kind of hits tops of the trees, but it has some other detailed things there. So just allow me to read, starting with verse 11, the tabernacle, his tent and his covering, his tatches and his boards, his bars, his pillars and his sockets, the ark and the staves thereof with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and his stays and all his vessels and the shoe bread, the candlestick also for the light and his furniture and his lamps with the oil for the light and the incense altar in his staves and the anointing oil and the sweet incense and the hanging for the door at the entering the end of the tabernacle, the altar burnt offering with his brazen grate, his Staves and all his vessels, the laver and his foot, the hangings of the court and his pillars. It goes on and on, my friends. His pillars and their sockets and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do uh, service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron. The priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office. Particularly, if you'll note verse number eighteen, there's a lot of very important furnishings that are mentioned in this passage that we have shared. Uh, important furnishings: labor, altar, uh, ark of God, things that we are very well acquainted with. And but the scripture also says in verse eighteen the pins of the tabernacle. That's not like the writing pins. That's not like the pins for the lapels, but the word pins there are the nails or the stakes, the tent stakes, the tent pegs of the tabernacle and the pins or the tent pegs of the court and their cords. So among all these lists, a thing, some very, very prominent and important. God made sure that Moses also wrote down, don't forget the pins of the tabernacle and the outer court. And for the next little while, I want to talk to you tonight on don't forget the tent pegs. Let's pray here for a moment. Father, I love you, Jesus, this evening. We need you, Father, in this place, God, that you could bring Lord enlightenment and understanding God to us tonight. God, I would love Lord Jesus to be able to lean upon and springboard off of, God, some, Lord, things that we even addressed this morning, but God, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying tonight. God, I pray Lord for your Spirit, God, to captivate us and take us hostage, Lord, here this evening. God, speak to our minds and our hearts and we'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, and I pray in the church. Say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Please turn your attention toward the screen just for a moment. Don't forget the temp pegs. I mean, can anybody really diagnose the problem that you've seen before you here tonight? Why did the tent blow away? Some may say perhaps it was a windy day, undoubtedly. But others may say the tent wasn't staked down, certainly. In 2021, under $500 million worth of tents were sold in North America. And in modern day America, it is customary for a tent to include enough tent stakes and guidelines to secure it properly. Uh, as a matter of fact, this little tent that we have before tonight, although it seems big in this space to me, I thought it was a whole lot smaller when I had it in my backyard and we've used it several times, but I have uh, nine tent stakes that came with this tent. Whenever I bought the tent, the stakes came with the tent. There's four for each corner and then there's uh, the guy wires that come from the four corners and then there's one extra actually, number nine, because on the back side of this tent, there's a little flap that you can leave open to let the cool air from the ground kind of rush in and keep you cool at night and so whenever I bought the tent the stakes came with it I didn't have to buy the stakes separately they were not like a suggested add-on item or option. It just automatically came with my tent. And so in other words, as is the custom in North America, when you buy a tent, you also get the tent stakes. You don't purchase a tent. Typically in North America, someone could probably find one that doesn't come with them, but I'm just saying typically you don't buy a tent without stakes. They are a part of the package because every person knows uh, I'm I'm sure our poor friends knew as well. They just didn't quite get to it uh, as quickly as they should have. But every person knows that a tent needs stakes. And they say that the basic need of tent stakes is really twofold. Number one, they keep the tent from moving. They keep the tent from moving. And number two, especially as we look at older and more archaic tents, number two, they help keep the tent's shape. Some think, though, that perhaps tent stakes or tent pegs are useless in good weather. Uh, There's no need for it. I mean, if it's a sunny day and the wind isn't uh, blowing, perhaps they'll just set up their tent and just think that that's good enough. But the question that we must ask ourselves is when the last time was it that you could predict a storm? When's the last time that you could predict that the wind gusts would increase and you were just taken by surprise that things changed as they were? Hikers understand the importance of traveling light. The old rule of thumb used to be that whenever you were going hiking and you were preparing your backpack to have it ready, I guess I could have brought a backpack tonight too. Some people thought Bishop was preaching tonight and uh, and thought maybe he might even be in the tent already. and Maybe he's in there. Dad, are you in there? But nonetheless, amen, that whenever hikers um, got their backpacks ready, they knew the importance of traveling light. The old rule of thumb used to be that a hiker would fill his backpack and then he would take out half of what he put in it and that's what he knew that he was fit for the journey fill it and then take out half of what he had because unnecessary weight was not a luxury that any hiker could afford to the degree that I've read stories that some hikers will take their toothbrushes and they will cut them in half just to lose an ounce or so in the backpack Some others in the days, I know we live in the day that now uh, they print labels on our clothing, but in the day when you had the old tags and you had the old labels, any clothing that took with them, they were cutting the tags out. That's how serious they were about not being able to afford any extra weight in their backpack along on the journey. And so now, uh, today though, they try to keep the base weight of everything that's in their backpack to a minimum. They set a go for what they want in there. And the bulk of their weight really is made up of what they called the big three. Number one, the weight of the backpack itself. Number two, the weight of their sleeping bag. Number three, the weight of the tent that they are going to sleep in. Over the years, tents have got a whole lot better than what they used to be. Even setting them up is a whole lot better. I came tonight and within three minutes, I had that puppy popped up. It's a whole lot easier than what it used to be. And tent design even has improved over the years year after year they've they've made lighter material used to tents used to be so heavy canvas you pull back the the, the flap on a tent it was like trying to pull back you know like your your mother in law's quilt you know it was heavy as anything a weighted blanket in a tent but now materials is lighter for tents and it's also lighter for the stakes that they make as well they believe they designed both of these lighter without compromising uh, their effectiveness without compromising their use and their utility. But tents, still yet, no matter how much they try to improve aerodynamic, better materials, tents today, as they've had for years and ages, still must have stakes. Amen. Some may choose to forego them. Some do. They believe that when they get to their campsite, it's according to where they're camping, they might use snow that's around and shovel snow on the edge of their tent to keep it down. Some may even use rocks that's in the area. Others may even dig and use dirt. But they're going to use something in order to keep it down, to keep their tents in place. Nonetheless, what a backpacker, a hiker, must put in his mind is this, is that a person must weigh the burden of carrying the weight of the stakes against the benefit of having them along on the journey. Is it worth carrying? Is the benefit that it's going to serve me is worth me carrying it to where I am going? And so if a group of people understood hiking and if they understood tent life, if there was anybody in even the scripture that understood these things, then the children of Israel understood tent life. The Bible says that Abram departed from the land of Ur of Chaldees by the commandment of the Lord. He left the land of his people. He left the land of his family and that spawned then in Abram and his descendants a group of people that were a nomadic people. They would travel, pitch their tent, they would uproot it and travel some more. That was their way of life. All it would seem the very intimate descendants of Abraham, his son Isaac his grandson Jacob they were all tent dwellers they traveled through the land of Canaan the promised land the Bible says they never resided there they never had a place that they could put their foot on but they could call their own it was a constant, constant way of life of just uprooting their tent uprooting their life and going to another direction even after the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage the Bible tells us of their wilderness journeys for 40 years through the wilderness Again, acquainting their lives with tent life. When you read the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 33 records the journeys of the children of Israel written by Moses. Moses kept record of every time they stopped and every time they stationed and every time they pitched their tent. In Numbers 33, there are 42 different stops, 42 different stations, enumerated from verse five to verse 49. You can count them. 42 times they set up their tent and they tore it back down. Travel a little distance, set up their tent and tear it back down because they were constantly moving from place to place. The Bible uses the verbiage and the terminology that they removed and they encamped, they pitched and they departed. For some forty years, they did this—this this reoccurring of the upheaval of life. This is how they lived. Everything that they had seemed to have to be mobile. Even the tabernacle, the place of worship in the wilderness, everything that pertained to it was mobile. Like those things I read to you in chapter number thirty-five, the Bible speaks of the ark and it staves, and the altar and it staves, and the lampstand and its staves. That's because all of these pieces and furnishings had to have some type of mobility. And so doing this day in and day out it had to lend their life to a little bit of a ritual, right? Here we are driving another nail. Here we are uh, making the cords straight again. Here we are putting the skins over them to have a place to rest our head at night. It demanded that they perfected an activity of pitching their tents and not though just pinching pitching their, their personal tent where their home and their household was, it also had to come to a little bit of a activity of a ritual of even setting up the tabernacle of God over and over again. Imagine that for a moment 42 times, not just setting up your household, your personal tent but those of whom it was required setting up the Ark of the Covenant and setting up the brazen labor where it was supposed to go and making sure the baggers. The badger skins and the goat skins were over top of the tabernacle. And evidently, as our scripture seemed to interpret, all the pins of the tabernacle and all the pins or the nails and the tent pegs of the outer court because you didn't pitch a personal tent or the tabernacle without tent pegs. If you can show my graphic tonight in our text a list that includes some very prominent furnishings. Amen. Very prominent furnishings of a brazen altar and laver and a table of shoe bread. And it's kind of showing us a little cutout section of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, among some of those things like the lampstand. We read about that. That's important. The ark is important. The hangings of the court. That what covers the tabernacle, all of that is important. The pillars, the sockets, the boards. You read in Exodus those things over and over again, but among all of them listed also is the pins of both the tabernacle and the court and their cords, because you can see here tonight, there are about four or so different layers that go over the tabernacle, and they could not hold their place without the tent pegs that held them securely in place. The fencing of the outer court, you can see the depiction here, and this is probably a very good depiction, that there are tent pegs on the outside of the court and the inside of the court to keep those boards and those pillars upright against the desert winds that would blow. Amen. They could not stand upright without the tent pegs. Everything in the tabernacle, as we know from Scripture, see to always be a shadow and a type of something else we know that, that the laver points to our baptism and we know the altar where the animal was slain points to our repentance and we know the ark of the covenant, amen, that infilling of the Holy Ghost and we know that the table of shoe bread, the word of God, it always is pointing to something else and so both the tabernacle's boards and the outer courts pillars were the Bible to stand upright It points to us in places in Scripture. I'll preach here before it's all said and done. But it points to Scriptures like the Psalms that promise that the upright shall dwell in thy presence. And others like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament Scripture that says, Having done all to stand. Stand, but the standing of the boards and the standing of the pillars and their uprightness in the presence of the Lord would not happen; could not happen; impossible for happening without the pins of the tabernacle, without the tent pegs of. The tabernacle, and so whenever God was inspiring Moses to write down what He wrote down in Exodus, among all the great furnishings, He says, "Moses, don't forget the pins of the tabernacle. Don't forget the pins of the outer court." He said, "God spoke to me, and He told me to make everything after the pattern that He showed to me on the mountain. When I was up there, God gave me the plan of the tabernacle. He told me." what the materials were to be for the altar. He told me how it was to be made, the dimensions of each thing. He told me all these things and evidently if God wanted everything to be made after the pattern, all things to be made out of the pattern, we might think it's insignificant, but God must have given, given detailed instructions to Moses. This is the pen and this is what I want it made out of and this is the temp peg and this is how long it should be. This even must be made after the pattern that I have given to you and shown to you. Yes, the lampstand is to be such and such and the laver in its foot is to be brass. But I also want to talk to you about the tent pegs because they are a very crucial and important part of my tabernacle. Right. You walk up to a grand house, it's like, oh my goodness, look at those floors, and look at those windows, and look at the design. Uh, just over our anniversary trip, we went and took a tour of the Biltmore Estate in North Carolina at nighttime, and they have Christmas set up all through there and lights, and we're going through these rooms, and they have silk stitched on the walls, and I'm like, wow, but in and under all of that somewhere, there's some pins. There's some stakes. There's some nails. The Bible says in Hebrews 8 and verse number 5 that as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, say, if he that thou shalt make, everybody say all, all things according to the pattern. Shoot in the mountain. In other words, uh, that includes the tent pegs. That includes the pins. As a matter of fact, to the Hebrew people, and the Jews of old, to drive a pin or to fasten a nail was an image for them of a fixed dwelling. Anytime they spoke about driving pins or fastening nails, they had in their mind the picture of a fixed dwelling. The Apostle Paul, although a preacher, he also had a secular job as well. The apostle Paul was a bivocational pastor. He not only preached and traveled as a missionary, but the Bible says he was also a tent maker with Aquila and Priscilla. He is a tent maker. And so he knows tent making language. He is familiar with all the tools in the instrumentation. And it is the apostle Paul that even likened our lives to a tabernacle or a tent. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, one. Here is the apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle. He's talking about our flesh. He's talking about our bodies. If the earthly house of of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so the apostle Paul, whose office and whose employment as a tent maker acquainted with tents, he relayed to other people, Amen, that lived through the Old Testament, that were nomadic, that lived in tents, people even in the New Testament, that lived in these crude uh, houses and dwellings he's speaking to people that's acquainted with tent life and he's telling them some things that these tabernacles our lives are like tents and the old testament tabernacle was like a tent and he's telling us that these things here they're they're just an earthly house this tent of our bodies is just an earthly house He's, he's trying to make a correlation with them and to them something that they can grasp something that was common to them that they could understand No different than Jesus telling people parables about the sower and the seed to make a point. Because they were familiar with agriculture. They were familiar with farming. No different than him doing that. No different. Amen. Than the both, the Old Testament and the New Testament, talking about tent life. No different than Jesus talking to us about being soldiers. Because people that day knew what it was like to be a part of armies and marshalling armies. Jesus did that so that they could identify with what he was saying. Paul said, the tents of these bodies. I'm here to tell you tonight that over this year, I've been reading through a, a Hebrew word study devotional that has a Hebrew word every day. It's a guy that is a linguist in these type of things. And uh, he was teaching one word throughout this year, something that God was teaching us as we delve into the scriptures and the words That there is a, and I'm not here to lose you tonight by no means. I'm just going to hit the top of this, but this is kind of where it's all centered around. That there are several different words in the Hebrew that in our English Bibles we translate as prayer. I knew one word in particular about prayer, but when I came across this word, this word according to this linguist, this is what this guy does he says the root word for this Hebrew word that's used about 77 times in our Bible and it's translated as prayer, its root comes from a word that for a tent peg. God culturally dealing with a nation that is largely pitching tents day in and day out. Their life, their homes centered around tents. So I'm going to take this word right here, Of prayer whose root is a tent peg because just as my house can't be substantiated can't stand there is no existence there is no dwelling without the tent pegs around it I'm going to correlate that with prayer to my people so that they know that my church and the establishment of my church, and the uprightness of my church, they could have labor all day long, an altar all day long, an ark all day long, but it would be in a flat, flappy tin if it wasn't for the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the outer court. He says, I'm going to relay in a means in which my church can understand the importance and the priority of prayer. Because without the tent peg, without the tent peg, the altar does not stand. Without the tent peg, it loses its shape. Without the tent peg, it's not unmovable. If it doesn't have its tent, someone say Amen. Israel knew this and God wanted them to understand plainly. Amen. He wanted them to know that not only the church, but listen to me now, they drove tent pegs in the ground for their home and for their dwelling. If they were going to sleep at night and rest their head and have a place of safety, amen. In order to rest, it's going to be because somewhere along the way, as they erected their structure, they nailed tent stakes in the ground. God says likewise, the importance of that stake to your dwelling. Prayer is important to your household. If you want stability, if you want safety, if you want structure, he says, I'm going to liken a root word in that which is translated as prayer, as a tempeh, so my people understand the importance of prayer in the life of the church and in the life of the home. Without prayer, it cannot stand. Without prayer, it'll lose its shape. Without prayer, it's not a fixed dwelling. We cannot forget the 10th peg. And not the Lord said in Isaiah, and yet it is also rehearsed again in the New Testament as Jesus overlooks the temple and the house of God of his day. Did not the Lord say, he said, for my house shall be called a house, a prayer for all people. Can you put that graphic up on the screen just one more time? All around, if you notice, please look with intention. I'm not taking time just to count, but all around the outer court, inside and outside are tent pegs. All around the perimeter of what is the tabernacle proper of the brown and the red and the tan and the blue covering, all around there are tent pegs. They're there. They're significant all around it and when you consider that tent pegs all around the court and all around the tabernacle I tell you this that when the Old Testament reads that when the ark of God was set in its place and there was a cloud that appeared over the tabernacle Amen. upon the finishing of the tabernacle note well if that cloud stood over the tabernacle that cloud was surrounded by tent pegs in the tabernacle and in the our court, it was and the house wasn't finished until the last peg was driven in the ground. What are you saying? I'm saying God's presence comes no different today. If you witness his presence, no, well, somebody's been praying. Somebody's been communicating with God. There's a cloud, but it's surrounded by ten pegs. Someone say amen. (laughs) Some on the outside. Some on the inside. As we stated this morning, Elijah had public prayers, but he also needed some private prayers. There's pegs on the outside, and there's pegs on the inside. The tabernacle proper, its structure, its coverings, they're all supported by pegs. Anytime you hear me say tent peg from here on out, think prayer. Paul test. he says, our lives are like a tabernacle. Our lives are like a tent. And with every tent, with every tabernacle, there must be tent pegs. <laughs> These earthly houses, Paul said, and I agree, I know it's scripture. These earthly houses someday are going to dissolve they're going to break that they are the moment you're born you're already breaking down that you're dying the moment you're born start losing cells oh yeah Amen. It starts happening the moment of your birth. These old tents are going to break down. These old tents are deteriorating day by day. But mark my words well, until they are totally dissolved, they'll be held in place. Amen. And given the proper form because someone has driven a tent peg in their life. I'm going to depart one of these days. But there's something that keeps me stationed and stable as I walk here below. And it's called the it's there. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. Paul says. It's given to us. It's all according Moses says, according to the pattern. The tabernacle's not finished until all things were made according to the pattern. Until all the tent pegs were made according to the pattern. The Bible tells us very plainly through his word that God has given us patterns of prayer throughout his word. Even the New Testament tells us as he spoke to his disciples, Sister Brenda, he says when you pray, pray after this manner or pray after this pattern. Our Father, which art in heaven. What are you saying today, folks? I'm saying the church isn't finished. She isn't complete without prayer. She isn't finished. She isn't complete without tent pegs. We can have the gold and the silver and the bronze, but honey, we need something driven in the ground too. We Hear me. We need something in the ground too. If it's going to be established in the wilderness, it's got to be anchored by tent pegs. Hear me. With purpose, God done this through his word. Because in the modern day, people's trying to have church without tent pegs. They're singing their songs and worship sets without tent pegs. Their musicians are playing their musical instruments without tent pegs. They're coming in and having worship without tent pegs. Preachers are preaching that's never prayed before they preached. Honey, you might have great oratory skill and you might be skilled on a musical instrument and you might have the voice of an angel, but all that doesn't mean squatting to me unless the anointing of your prayer life ekes out over your voice and ekes out over your talent and eeks out over your preaching. We can't be the church and we can't have the life established. We should without a tent peg holding us, grounding us. We need prayer. This shirt don't tuck in as much as I like, so be careful tonight. Don't look look up here. Someone say amen. Amen. Folks, it's happening every day. People are honing skills and talents and ability. Man, I've rubbed shoulders. I've been around enough in a few different places. Man, there are some excellent musicians out there. And there are some singers out there that are just amazing. Hear me but you put all that on one side of the balance and put in the other side of the balance their prayer life. And I'd rather have someone heavier in prayer than they are talented. Because talent will sound nice and talent will seem, oh, that is wonderful. But talent won't help save a soul. Talent won't draw somebody to an altar. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost that comes by virtue of a prayer life. We. There's a lot of people filling pulpits today all across America that's keeping even within the confines of Scripture and teaching good biblical Bible lessons. But there's no alteration of lives. Why? Because someone left out the pen of the tabernacle, the pen of the outer court. It takes prayer! Someone say amen. There's no established tabernacle in reality without an anchor of a tent peg. Look at Isaiah 33 and verse 20. I need to move along. He says, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eye shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down, not one Of the stakes thereof. Shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. He says consider the tabernacle there. He said, it will not be taken down. Not one. Everybody say one. Not one of the stakes shall be removed. It seems to be conveying that Isaiah is telling us that the tabernacle will not be taken down. Amen. Not even one of the stakes of the tabernacle will be removed. And so, in other words, what that means is this like my little tent here, bless God, help it. Amen. It requires, according to the packaging, nine stakes. It requires nine stakes. According to Isaiah, whatever the tent requires, not even one of those will be taken away. I'm not setting the tent with three stakes. You know what I'm saying? I'm not starting out with nine and thinking, you know what, about half as much seems good. He says the tent won't be removed because one stake's not going to be removed. Oh, someone say amen. So we're, we're not giving up on one stake. Can I tell somebody again? And yeah, I purposely put prayer with prayer today. Amen. Somebody just needs to pray again. Keep that stake, if you will, there in the ground. Amen. If it requires five, keep five there. It's not going to be taken down because not one of the stakes are going to be removed. Amen. You remove one, and the tent might be flapping on one side. The wind might get underneath the bottom of it on one side. And the tension of the air might might begin to pull on the other stakes. I'm going to leave them all right where they need to be. I don't want my I don't want my tent to be misshapen either. I don't want it to take on a different form than what it should have. I'm keeping all the stakes where they need to be, brother friend. I don't want the church to appear to be something different than what God wanted it to look like and be and seem and sound. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. Each one's necessary. Each one is established. Each stint tent stake. It's it's prayer. It's prayer. I can't substitute. I can't substitute today, folks, reading a bunch of books and studying and coming here and barfing knowledge on you without praying. I could, but the sad fact of the idea, some people could do that and no one in the audience would know any the thing different. We can, and NYC's coming up, oh, bless God. This is like my little soapbox. We're not about sitting down at a desk through the week and trying to craft a real tweetable phrase or a catchphrase so that people write it down and post it on Facebook. That's not my mode of operate. That's not my mode of operation to turn a phrase just right so it's catchy and everybody will restate it. We're not interested in just trying to do all that. Honey, I don't care if it sounds like a southern Illinois hillbilly, but if it can be anointed Tweet your quotes and all the catchphrases all you want. but And I'm not saying stuff that comes across there isn't anointed. But I'm saying of all things, let it be anointed. Is it tweetable? Maybe. But is it prayerful? I hope so. Someone say amen. John, differentiate. Differentiated between those who had gone out from the church, who was never really a part of the church. He said they were antichrist, meaning they were people against the Lord. They were they said he said they were among us, but they went out from us. And since they went out from us, they was never really of us. And the Bible says in 1 John 2 20, as a as differing from that, as contrast to that, he's speaking about these antichrists, those that are against Christ. He says, But ye he says have an unction from the Holy One and ye know all things. You know what John is saying? He said there is a difference between us and a difference between them. He said because ye have an unction from the Holy One. What does that mean? That unction is an ungent or a smearing of the oil of God's spirit. It is an anointing and where did the unction come from? It comes from the Holy One. Folks can I tell you without prayer without communication with the Holy One we're without the unction. We're without the ungent. We're without the smearing of the anointing of God's oil and the unction makes all the difference in our singing, in our worship in our playing in our can I tell you not only pastors and singers need anointed, but the congregation needs anointed. We all need the unction. We all need that communication of prayer with God where some of that oil gets upon us. Huh? They prayed what? Extensively in the upper room, did they not? And the unction came. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. God's church began in the prayer room with a tent stake. The church began in Acts in a prayer room with a tent stake. So don't forget the tent peg. Because that's where she all started. The apostles and the disciples, they needed it. But all those that were around that that heard this thing noised abroad, they needed it as well. You know what's a good church service? When everybody's prayed and they have the unction and the smearing on them. When the musicians done their due diligence praying... And when the singers did their due diligence praying, and the pastor did his due diligence praying, and when the audience have done their due diligence praying, what you got is a sloppy old oil bunch of people that have an unction from the Holy One and were stable and staked down by prayer. Anything has happened, perchance the cloud might show up over the place. I'm not trying to be deep and wide tonight, but it's the truth. I've been to, again, been a lot of different places, preach a lot of different places. Some people told me in some places, said, Brother McGee, wow, said over at this place, man, it's just like, I don't know, you just was preaching different or something. Had nothing really to do with the way I was preaching. I think my wife, I think, would attest to the fact that I pretty well preach the same anywhere and everywhere I'm at. Doesn't matter if there's thousands or if there's nine. I just do who I am. But what the difference oftentimes is, is who's anointed where I go. Well, it just don't seem the same over there, honey. Why it just seemed like just a to light, light a match and boom, what's going on? I tell you what went on there were some singers praying, there were some worshipers praying, there were some congregate members that were praying. And when everybody has the unction and all the pins are where the pins need to be, you got yourself a tabernacle. You got yourself. You got yourself where the labor can be used. You got yourself where the altar of incense can be used. Where the ark of God. When all the pins are in place. (laughs) Concerning God's covenant people, the church, God said. In Isaiah 54 and 2, some are familiar with this verse. Enlarge the place of thy tent, let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. Because you'll never be able to enlarge the habitation or lengthen the cords or set more curtains on the cords. With weak stakes. We can't upgrade the tent. Without strong stakes. If this is what you want. Then you got to keep the stake that size. But if you want to upgrade. Then you're going to have to upgrade. You pulling longer cords. You're holding more weight. You're trying to keep something bigger tethered? Strengthen the stakes. Bishop has preached to it. us for 21 years in his pastor even still yet while he's bishop if he was here tonight he'd be licking the paint off the ceiling because he has told us over and over again it takes prayer it takes prayer daily prayer pray before church pray in the wind pray in the storm prayer what's he saying it's going to take a stake that's what tethers you that's what keeps it unmovable if you're going to grow it's going to take stronger this do you think that you go get a bigger tent with weaker stakes I think I'm just going to blow this thing up and make this thing bigger and go and get me some smaller stakes. It don't work that way. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to strengthen this. Thank you, Mariah, for writing on all these. You're going to have to strengthen this. He said, because Isaiah was saying, I see a day that this isn't just going to be the house of the Jews. There's going to be a breach and there's going to be Gentiles in this thing too. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people are going to turn their back upon me. But there's going to be an influx of Gentiles. And in order for us to substantiate the inflow, we're going to have to strengthen this. The tent pegs. We're going to strengthen it. We're going to lengthen the cords. Yes, we're going to do all that. But mostly it's going to depend upon having strong stakes, prayer in the ground. In other words, he's trying to tell them, you might as well forget attempting anything else until you reinforce this. Because they support it all. They 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 take the tension of the pool. Huh? When are those upright members in our tabernacle there are blown by the winds of the storm and the boards and the linen between them begin to bound bend? You know who's you know who's feeling the tension the most out of all that? the stakes that are hooked to the cords, to those wooden members that are in the ground, they're being pulled this way and that way. Honey, you want to survive some storms in life? Make sure these are strong. There have been a lot of people being uprooted and blown away, but they never made sure this was strong. Someone say amen. The prayers, the stakes, they keep everything intact. Someone say amen. Amen. Everybody okay? Man, I'm preaching too long. What is my deal? I got a disease. (laughs) Amen. Watch me here now. I'll hold you much longer. I'll save some for Wednesday. JL. The Kenite in Scripture knew the significance of tent pegs. The Kenite people were likewise nomadic people. Wanderers at best. They had accompanied the Hebrew people during their wilderness journeys and wanderings, though they were not Israelite people. And when the journey had ended at Canaan, and all the israelites forsook the wilderness and went to their homes in their cities the kenite people forsook those neighborhoods and towns and betook themselves to the free air to the wilderness of judah and they continued to live in tents keeping their nomadic customs jl knew and and understood all the materials and the instrumentation attends It's during this period of time the Bible says there is a Canaanite king that has given the Israelites some grand trouble. You can read of this in Judges 4 and 5. Given Israel grand trouble, even oppressing Israel for some 20 years. They were under the oppression of this Canaanite king, mainly because their general. This Canaanite king had a general by the name of Sisera. The Bible says he had 900 chariots of iron. And so they were a military force to be reckoned with. But it happened on a day that Sisera, this arch enemy of Israel, was passing by Jael's tent. And she's like, Sisera, come into my tent. And she provided him milk to drink and butter in the Lordy dish. And she covered, I'm not getting into that thing, just too much trouble. And and she she covered him up with a blanket. And he went to sleep. And notice, please, the exact wording of Scripture of Judges 4.21. Then J.L., Eber's wife, took a nail of the tent. Took a nail of the tent. And took a hammer in her hand. And went softly unto him and smote the nail of the tent into his temples and fastened it into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Logan, can you help me? You're going to be Sisera. You got 900 chariots. You didn't know it, did you? Some uncle, I don't know you inherited him, lay down on the ground with me or for me. It just takes too much time. He's over there. I will cover you up though, Sisera. He's covered up. You've you've had here here's some butter in the Lordy dish. Here, here is some zero percent milk. You're there. Go to sleep, Sisera. Ah. J.L. knew tent life. As a matter of fact, it was women's responsibility to pitch tents in that day. She had pitched that tent. She had drove those stakes in the ground. However many stakes was required for her tent, she used for her tent. They were important to keep her personal home and dwelling secure. It kept her house stable. It wasn't misshapen. It wasn't skewed because she used tent pegs. Sister Sheila, the Bible particularly says she took a peg of the tent. Mm-hmm. She took a peg of the tent. I drove this however many days before. Shh. I hammered this into the ground so many days before. But I have an adversary. Israel has an adversary that needs to be defeated. And so I'm going to grab a tent peg of the, the very same thing that's keeping my house secure. Is going to bring victory to Israel today. The very, if I'd say it in these terms, the very same prayer I put in the ground a few weeks ago. I'm going to retract that for the purpose. I'm going to get this peg of the tin. And my adversary's over there. He's comfortable now. He's sleeping now. I'm not going with a mallet. Through his head, and it was all dependent upon a solitary tent peg. hearing me right now, don't you think for a moment she knew how that tip peg felt in her hand, she knew the angle she needed to hold it, and she knew the strength she needed to go through with it why, because this wasn't a here and there episode she did this anytime she set up household, she was familiar, if I could interpose, she was familiar with prayer, she wasn't trying to figure out in her moment of agony she knew how to pray Bam. Don't forget. Don't he might really fall asleep? You have to carry him out, Josh. Don't forget the tent pegs. Someone say, "Amen." Let me ask you this: I wonder what the result would have been. I don't know, but I wonder what the result would have been had J. L. opted to pitch her tent without stakes. brother fred if she opted to pitch her tent without stakes yeah. there would not have been a stake to walk in softly with to where her adversary was to bam through his temples and fasten his head to the ground don't forget Sister, if you want to get up, you can get up. The tent peg was handy for her victory because it wasn't foreign to her household. I'm going to grab that nail of the tent. I'm going to pull it out now for... Victory over an enemy. The same, the same thing that helped secure her life. Throw them around, Paul. Brought a defeat to her adversary. Sometimes we're like someone that's floundering around, dying in an ocean full of woe. When we need something for our victory, we're just grabbing at straws. What, what can I do just to keep afloat? if you just stay faithful to driving tent pegs, there will always be what you need at an arm's reach. If you'll stand with me tonight. I got tent pegs here this evening. Those musicians come and begin to close this service, we have this altar call tonight. It would be my privilege for you to take one of these tent pegs home that has prayer written on it and that you would keep it in your home somewhere where you'll see it every day. And be reminded that your household and the life of your church in certain degrees rises and falls on the tent pegs being secured at the house of God and in your personal home. Because you want to surround your life and your church with prayer. You want to surround your life and your church with prayer. Don't endeavor to build either the church and don't endeavor to build your life without it. Because prayer will help ground the church. And prayer will help ground your household. Prayer will help stabilize the church when she's going through famine. And storm will also help keep your personal lives intact whenever things are going awry there as well. Prayer will help maintain the life of the church and the personal life in form. Amen. Pray when things are well is my admonition. And pray when things are not well. You know what? All those that drove those tents and had their households as tents, they didn't get to choose what day they drove them. There were sometimes they set up their households during storms. And it wasn't an option. Well, I'm not putting the stakes in today. No. Right. At every location and every type of weather, they had to drive the stake. Pray always. The New Testament scripture tells us, yes. "Pray always." Yes. Be listen, because in this journey, and man, I'm preaching too long. Traveling light on this journey doesn't mean traveling without. If you are, is the benefit worth the weight of it? If you're in that mode, is the benefit worth the weight of it? The responsibility of daily. For some, my five. For some, my ten. For some, my half hour. Is that, that's time in my life I'll never get back. Is the benefit of it worth the burden of it? I'm telling you tonight as a witness and a testimony that the benefit of praying far outweighs the burden. told you this all before, right? Just let, let me repeat myself, okay? I probably never repeated myself ever in the past 11 years. The benefit outweighs the burden of it. You've heard this before, but let me just indulge me, okay? It's been several years ago now, Trevor was young, er, younger, <laughs> younger. <laughs> and he was in that stage that he loved to dress up, and he had all kinds of I mean, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Captain America. I mean, we just had like a container, like almost as like a laundry basket that was just dress up. Trevor's dress up clothes. It was during the winter time. We don't have central air and central heat. Our, our house has uh, baseboard heat, okay? We put air conditioner units in during the, the, the summer and take them out in the winter. So we, we just have baseboard heat. And so with that, growing up, and if you grow up with that, you got to know, you can't keep things close to the baseboard heaters. Plastic, papers, anything like that. It'll start a fire. Start a fire. I don't know why I did it. Call it God. But that morning when I prayed at the house, I just felt like I was supposed to do my morning prayer in Trevor's room. I sat down on the floor. Some of you see sometimes when we used to pray in here, I sat on the floor at crisscross applesauce and I'm the rocking horse. That's just me. I sat down on the floor in front of that heater and I'm just going through my daily prayer, driving my steak. It was that night, it was a Wednesday. We went to church i'm going to teach did so came back home and sometime from the moment that trevor had come home from school we would went to church he had been spider-man laying on that heater when we got home in his room was a spider-man outfit i pulled it up off there and it had stuck to the heater and there was portions of it that were totally melted but no fire so I tell you that the burden of praying is worth the benefit Fred you can call it coincidence all you want but I knew after I got home Wednesday night the reason why God had me pray in that room is because the innocent boy was going to throw down the outfit on top of a heater that could have taken my whole house. But because I decided today, I'm gonna drive the stake. Today, I'm gonna strengthen the stake. It's gonna keep my household in place. It's gonna give stability. It's gonna answer a prayer I didn't even pray. altars are open tonight I wish somebody would spend some time in prayer I wish somebody would grab hold of a tent peg here tonight and just hit it one more time strengthen it one more time Cry out to God, come on, sir, come on, young people. These are here for you tonight. I want you to take one of these home. I want it to be in a prominent place. I want you to remember, remember the value, remember the significance of what may otherwise be overlooked and seem like insignificant. We need prayer, we need the 10 pegs. It stabilizes us, it helps us keep our form. Moses, tabernacle. Labor, altar, ark, yes, but don't forget the pins of the tabernacle. Don't forget the pins of the outer court. Come on, sir, ma'am, if you need one of these, they're here tonight. Don't forget the tempest.